We've been about this work, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, shared through the voices of a white woman and a black man. We bring lived experiences. We have pursued DNI progress for most of our professional lives. We use Crazy and the King to cover news, tips from colleagues, and host incredible guests. Listeners, count on Julie and I to transparently drive the conversation. We thank you for rocking with us. Check it, check it. Julie, kick off the show. Welcome to Crazy and the King. Hey, listen, let me tell you something. Uh, I am absolutely excited because we have a listener joining us on today's episode. But even more than that, Jay, I'm laughing. I mean, it would be kind of like disingenuous. It would be, what's the word that I'm looking for? It wouldn't be authentic of me to try to replicate the laugh that you and I shared earlier because your ass was looking <laughs> for donkeys and elephants and all of that other stuff. You were looking for all that other stuff, but you didn't understand what I was trying to convey. Communicate. So all of you out there listening, whenever you have a podcast partner and you all are in pre-show prep, you have to make sure that your text messages are complete because I sent my pod partner on an internet goose chase for a story that or, did not exist. Donkey, a donkey chase. chase that didn't <laughs> exist. But listen, we are here rocking. How you feel? I'm feeling good. Feeling good. It's beautiful outside. I'm so excited about our guest. One of my my favorite people to bug and annoy on Twitter. And I think he does the same. So it's going to be yes, a good indeed. show. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So let's just get right into it. VC funded. Everybody likes to talk about money. So VC funding has actually grown. Like it's incredible. I, before I even tell you the story, just just give me a number. How much VC funding do you think has hit the marketplace in the first six months of this year? Half a billion. Half a billion. That would be $500 million. Okay, got yes. it. So this is the time when I wish we had like a real live radio show and we had people that could call in. Like we could do a raffle and have some fun and kind of let this linger. <laughs> you know, we could actually take this story and start the pod and then we could drop it down at the bottom and see if we get any one that's close because you my dear are off like a mug you are way off so way Way off. off so like in the first six months of the year 147 billion dollars has been pumped into new organizations uh existing organizations series bc organizations but 1.8 1.8 billion has gone yeah, 1.8 billion has gone to black founders. Now let me just say this. I guess the good side okay. of it is that last year for the entire year black founders received 1 billion dollars. So at least in the first 6 months they've met that threshold and surpassed it. So I guess the trend is moving in the right direction. I mean, I'm not going to balk at another 0.8 billion dollars, but yeah, we should be doing a lot fucking better than that. We got six more months, and so let's see where it ends. You talked about Amazon. What's up? Okay. So why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? Because this is, I feel like every manager on the planet, when I tell this story, is going to be like, oh, that's a good idea. It's not a good idea. Amazon has started a program where if a person is underperforming, an employee, their managers have to document their coaching efforts and all of, you know, the, the things for performance. Performance so improvement. What's wrong with that? Well, they can't tell the the employee that they're on a performance improvement rewind plan tape. or re- talk re- about re- their re- performance. Rewind the tape. Rewind the tape. Rewind the tape. So <laughs> what you're saying? What you're saying to me is I've not performed up to some standard. Nothing wrong with having a standard. 
standard. But but you're not allowed to tell me that I've not performed or or that I'm on a performance improvement plan. So yes, at, at, all the while I'm documenting how I'm trying to help your performance. So, you know, one of them street sayings is where they do that at. Like where where they do that at. Like I, I don't know where it came from. I don't know what region it was started in, but like what organization, like how much sense does it make to put me on a, a PIP and not tell me that I'm on a PIP? Did the story even talk yeah. about why they did that? Oh, no, no. It just said basically they go in and they're on this in this program where they don't know that they're on a PIP, but they are. And then if their manager talks to them about performance, the manager's not even allowed to tell them that they're on a performance improvement plan unless the person asks directly. So we have that. And then if they don't improve on this magical, mysterious PIP, then they get put into a new program where they are offered a severance package or they get told they're on a PIP. So the the article goes on to say that it's basically Amazon's expectations that a a third of those employees will leave. And I think that's a a fair, if not low estimate, because I'd probably leave as soon as I found out I'd been on an imaginary PIP. Let's be very Um, clear, Jay which is what they want. They're really, they're forcing the hand. They're forcing individuals to find a new destination as they say. Go ahead. Yeah, well, and I mean, I was just thinking about, I've managed people on PIPs. I've managed performance issues. It sucks. It's not fun for anybody. And so you're thinking about how these managers are trying to manage people out and being able to do it in this extra sneaky way. And I wonder how many people listening are going, well, that's not the worst idea I've ever heard. I'm documenting and, and they have a chance to improve and trying to come up with some validation of why this is a, an okay thing to yeah. do. Well, let me just say, it's it, not. no, it's <laughs> not. But let me tell you in another story around performance, because that type of performance is not necessarily all that great. I do want to talk about some good performance. And Julie and I have talked about this a number of times. And the funny thing here, Jay, is when I say your name, uh, it's funny to hear me say Julie, because I'm so used to in the pod saying Jay, but any event, um, <laughs> You know, Julie and I, we always talk about this and we've, you know, we've reflected on a number of stories over the years that have said more diverse organizations perform better. And so Board Ready actually did a study through the pandemic and what they found uh, through S&P organizations was a strong correlation between board diversity and revenue growth during the pandemic of 2020 and still. And it said that companies where women held more than 30 percent of the board seats, those organizations outperformed 11, uh, outperformed their peers in 11 out of 15 sectors. I think the fun part of that would be the four sectors where they didn't outperform. Like, what are those four sectors? I didn't dig hard enough. So to the listeners out there, I don't want you to, you know, listen, I was lazy. I took the headline and I'm just giving you that part. You can go out and do your digging to find out what the four sectors are. But it also said that companies uh, with at least 30% of seats held by non-white directors saw a year-over-year revenue growth of 4%, while the less racially diverse boards saw a revenue decline. Now, I know somebody out there, Jay, is going to say, but the billionaires in the 1% increased their numbers. And so there are some folks out there that are going to argue and say, no, that's not all the way true. What do you say to them? Mm, I, Yeah, I, I I don't follow the logic. I mean, 
board diversity is is board diversity and well but i mean but amazon amazon doesn't have a diverse board well that's a whole different beast right maybe they're one of the four doesn't have a diverse board well uber loses money every year i I think uber is is an example of exactly what's wrong um and i know amazon is actually working on their board diversity because i think the old ceo of um pepsi indra nori has joined amazon's board she is a brilliant Indian woman, brilliant, Um, you know, but I I think that correlation and causation are, are different conversations. I think a lot of companies and a lot of sectors lost money last year, not in shareholder value, but in profit. And if we're seeing revenue increases here by board diversity, I don't think anyone can, without being full of shit, draw correlation between um, the increase in profits for all versus a diverse board. I don't know if that makes sense because I'm trying to spit it out here, but I, I think that we can clearly show an advantage of having a diverse yeah, board. Yeah, and I mean, again, I think, you know, when we look at organizations like an Amazon and Uber and Instacart and some of the others out there, first and foremost, we're not calling them out in a negative way. What, what I'm suggesting is that they are outliers. Like when we look at, you know, your stalwarts and stable organization, I don't want to say stable. When you look at organization, I just think that there certainly are some organizations organizations that are going to uh, they're going to win regardless of the market that we're in. And the pandemic brought some unusual circumstances where, you know, Amazon was already winning. They just won in an incredible way. Instacart already doing decent, well winning, maybe they accelerated. You know, there were certainly some organizations that are just outliers to the equation. I think what Board Ready is trying to convey is that diversify your board. And if you do that, you stand a better chance of performing better in terms of your bottom line growth. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that we, we've also shown that, and I'll just, sorry, I know you're a dude, but women are more empathetic leaders. People of color have more experience with situations where we need more empathy. All of those things in, in the toughest year in, in our at least lives historically, um, women at the top of the the, the funnel, um, especially women of color making decisions about the best care of their staff is probably the company I'd want to sit on versus Jeff Man, Bezos. Speaking of sitting on, before we get to our last story and then our guest for the week, you know, like I love having this first time we've really had a listener on as a guest. But let me just say, um, before we get to the last story, have you ever thought about what it would be like to sit on one of these boards and get like seventy five, a hundred, hundred fifty thousand dollars a year to do, you know, four meetings and a couple of phone calls? Have you ever kind of envisioned that for your life? I, I have definitely envisioned that for my life. I, I think it's a pipe dream, but uh, I have thought. Why do about you it, think yes. it's a pipe dream? Um, I think mostly because it's like an old boys club, right? You know who you know, and so you get into those echelons of of power and that power just feeds on itself and and is um it is kind of self fulfilling right like the first million's the hardest million to make the rest of the millions sure. are easy I, I think it's like that level it's like once you get to that level of elitism the the likelihood that you or i would ever get access to that kind of spot in our life is, is pretty well slim. i'm going to let you speak for yourself um because i don't want i i envision it for me uh, and and while I do okay. I do share a bit of that um, reservation as to whether or not we I share a bit of that reservation as to whether or not I'm worthy of being there if I have the resume the dossier to warrant being there I sometimes wonder whether or not my walking out of corporate America 
you know, more than 20 years ago was an impediment to me being there. Uh, I still do have that aspiration because I feel like there's so much that I can contribute to um, organizations. And I just thought it was an interesting question because we talk about that empathy. You talk about women and they need people like you. They need people like myself. They don't necessarily need more people that have graduated from B school. They don't necessarily need more people that have a number of degrees in accounting or in systems. They need people that can connect connect different markets and geographies and problem solve and bring creative innovation and collaboration. They need a lot of different things. And so I think people like you and I, I believe people like you and I, we have a seat at somebody's organization at some point in the future. So um, let's not lose that dream. What's our last story? ESDs. Yeah. Let's uh, let's just manifest Absolutely. that. Sorry, let's manifest Absolutely. that. I don't think it's anything about lack of worth. Let me always make that sure. clear. You know how I feel about you, partner. Um, All right. Last one. This one is tough. So um, a school for people with disabilities in Canton, Massachusetts, called the Judge Rotenberg Center, has won an appeal to continue to use electrical stimulation devices on the students who live and attend school there who have disabilities. And and, and just for the listeners out there. Sorry, Jay, real quick for the listeners out there. This is like a day school, a boarding school. Go ahead. Yes. Um, And so last year sometime, they were ordered by the court to stop shocking and tasing um, young children with disabilities. And a group of administrators and parents, that's the hardest part to say, from the school sued and appealed that ruling to be able to reinstate the electric shock device. Yeah, this one caused me a lot of pause because as I read through, you know, a couple of the articles, you know, one of the parents said, um, one of the parents, and I'm paraphrasing it because I didn't save the article, Julie, but the parent said, this is really the only way that we can, we can administering this electronic shock. And this shock can come through the, the the individual's book bag or some other device. The only way that we know that they are not going to harm themselves is through administering the shock. And so I, I will say to you, had I not read that parent's comment, I may have had an, a one-sided, totally different opinion of the article. I still have another opinion of it. I'm, I'm, I'm disturbed by it. Um, I, I think about shock and prodding cattle and I think about what they did in slavery. Uh, I, it, it was a disturbing article for me all the way around. So let me, I'm not, not quite sure how this is going to cr- come across, but there have been a couple of stories in the last year where um, maybe in Baltimore, maybe in Philly, where police felt that it was appropriate to tase a black child in handcuffs who was, let's say, eight years old because they couldn't be controlled. That, that's really what we're talking about here, right? We're talking about people who have behavioral issues who, who may very well have self-harm issues. And, and let's just even pretend for a minute that that is the only way that that these young human beings can be stopped from hurting themselves. That That's certainly not the only time that they're using this. They're using it for regular everyday behavior change and, and, and reorientation from talking back, not picking up after yourself, poor hygiene. It is never acceptable to electrocute another human being. It is never acceptable to treat a person with a disability as if they are subhuman or an animal. It is, I don't give a fuck what a parent says. I don't give a fuck what a parent says. It is never 
okay to torture another human being. And if we've gotten to this place where that is the only thing that works on them, that is a very, very sad place. But it was not that way. At the yeah, beginning. this is um, a story that we really could build an entire episode around. Uh, there was a young lady quoted in the article. Her name is Jennifer Sumba. It's actually spelled M. S-U-M-B-A, Jennifer Sumba, uh, an autistic woman. And she was the one who brought the lawsuit uh, that Julie mentioned. Uh, she brought the lawsuit against the Judge Rottenberg Center in Canton, uh, Massachusetts. And she said, quote, when they started putting me on the board, I would get five or 10 shocks for just doing one thing, a meaning a minor behavioral infraction. This is something that she told CBS News back in 2014. She went on to say, it was like being underground in hell, I would ask God to make my heart stop. Like, I just want you to think about that for a moment, end quote. I want listeners to think about that for a moment. This is an autistic woman who is receiving this shock therapy. And I want you to think about some of the politicians that you all have heard about and or supported that wanted to use shock therapy on people that were uh, LGBTQ. Let's not fuck around and act like this stuff is not happening outside of the disability community. But we're talking about the disability community. And in some ways, we're talking about why the disability community has so so many issues with the able community. This young lady said, Mm -hmm. I would ask God to make my heart stop. It's a story in and of itself. We could have done an entire episode on this story. Yeah. Easily, easily. We need people to think more about us as human beings and not about us as problems. With seeing all of these things that Blanca had to go through personally, mentally, and to see her come out on top, every trans woman needed that. Every trans woman needed to see something that is obtainable and reachable. Needed to bring in that quote so we could bring the energy back up in the pod. But that was said by MJ (laughs) Rodriguez. Uh, uh, She is from the show Pose. She's also the first trans woman nominated for an Emmy in a lead acting category. Shout out to MJ Rodriguez for dropping in on the Crazy and the King podcast. For those of you who are new, you can find and subscribe to our pod on all of the platforms. You can get uh, past shows that we've recorded at crazyandtheking.com. Once again, crazyandtheking.com. One more time, crazyandtheking.com. And speaking of that incredible uh, Crazy and the King, we have a show sponsor who's going to give you a word, and then we'll get to our guests for the week. Okay, okay, real quick. Javite is taking you on a TA road trip all summer long during the Summer to Evolve road trip. That was a little bit redundant, but the bottom line is they are rocking this eight-week series of educational content designed specifically for TA and recruiting professionals just like you and I. Each and every week, there'll be three short sessions aimed at helping you to hone your skills, helping you to improve existing processes and inspire new ideas from some of the greatest minds in TA. You'll explore topics such as building talent pools to support rapid hiring, the TA metrics driving business outcomes, and leveraging recruitment technology to help you find and hire top talent faster. Got to quickly mention great prizes, fun road trip games, and exciting surprises. You can get all of that if you start mapping out your road trip journey today at jobbite.com forward slash summer. 
Again, that is jobvite.com forward slash summer. All right. Welcome back. So do you get the honors? Do I get the honors? You get the honors. I did the woot woot. So you get the honors. <laughs> All right. So we are going to welcome one of our favorite listeners to <laughs> Crazy and the King. Thank you for it. <laughs> and we met, or I met Matt, at least. I don't know where you met him, Torin, on Twitter, where his handle is Z-T-U-B-B-S-Y underscore 84. Yeah, yeah. So, Let's welcome Matt Stubbs, who we affectionately call Stubbsy. Stubbsy. the king. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt, look, you got to do this thing the right way. Come on in and say woo woo. That's what there I'm talking about. Yeah, man. You listen, you have been so incredibly supportive of Crazy and the King for months. And to Julie's point, I also met you because you started dropping stories for us on Twitter. Like you would find a story and you would tag Julie, you would tag me. uh, And I was like, okay, well, who's this guy over in London like tagging us? And so one, we're happy because we're crossing borders. But two, you actually tagged us on the last story that we we talked about. What did you feel when you were listening to us kind of recap? Or maybe what did you feel when you read the story around the electrical stimulation devices? It, it's a disturbing story. And you have to ask certain questions. Why is it that every other school that is managing children with autism and behavioral difficulties has not had to go to this lengths. Just stop and think about that. Secondly, one of the other things I think is very interesting to bring up here, shout out to the psychologists that be listening is I suggest to them to refresh their memories on the Milgram studies around um, compliance where they had where they got people to pretend to electrocute people to see what would happen. Mm-hmm. And they found that the more the more barriers that were present, the more higher people were willing to go to electrocute people for giving wrong answers to the point of these shocks were at the level that would actually kill someone if it had been done in reality. Yep. You hear those screams. That's that's a great that's a great point. Right. I always forget about that study. And that's an excellent point. You're also 100 percent right that this is the only school in the United States that still actively uses electric shock therapy to control behaviors in all of the United States. And and the other point um, I saw in one of the articles, I think it's the one I sent you to, was it did also mention that the um, UN classes torture. Mm -hmm. Yep, it is. So what what are we saying there? You mean we're we're greenlighting torture here? You mean that's a very slippery slope? When do we say if it's acceptable here? For this case, then when do we start moving that needle so it becomes acceptable for other stuff? Yeah, exactly. Matt. And so exactly. you know, you, you sit you sit in the space as an organizational development and <clears throat> learning professional who who has an affinity for diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. I'm curious. You know, maybe you can share for Julie and I, you know, and, and, and to the benefit of listeners or to the joy of listeners, they kind of get to, to, to listen in on the uh, response. But but what made you start tagging the, the both of us in this litany of different stories happening all around the globe that are D&I related? I think it's sort of two things, really. You know what I mean, one, 
you know, I mean, I like the energy that you two brought to the podcast and I wanted to sort of engage with you two. And um, what I did feel with the podcast was that maybe the stories were too American-centric. And if we're going to talk about diversity and inclusion, then we need to talk about it globally because it's, we can't, you know, I mean, some in the organisation work on the global level. So it's a bit hypocritical to say, well, let's just look at what's happening here in, say, the US or in the UK, even when there's the rest of the world. Yeah. Let me, let me jump that's in on fair. that for just a second. Yeah, that's an absolute fair, you know, observation. I don't even consider that to be a critique because I work with global clients and, you know, I tell all of them and told them a lot last year. While I understand the trigger being George Floyd as to why you've increased your focus. If you are global, and even if you're not, but certainly if you are global, you have to have a broader lens than just North American conversation, North American angle, North American tactic, if you will. You have to have a broader scope. And so we appreciate you saying, wait a minute, I'm listening. Yeah, I'm over here listening, but I think you all can do a better job of highlighting some of the things that are happening around the globe. Mm -hmm. What you did, you edified us and said, I know people are listening around the globe and I want to help you. I want to help your message Mm -hmm. land with people around the globe. We thank you for that. I think it's important because I know you've had um, Kay Fabel on on here before Mm -hmm. before, and her her stuff is really interesting. Yes, she's based in in Spain, but... She tries to talk on a global level and she talks about her mixed heritage and her mixed experiences from not just being black, but also being Filipino. So it brings that wider dynamic in. Uh, Yeah, I mean, and Kay is fabulous. I learned so much on the conversation that we had with her. And I I think as a takeaway tour from this conversation, we should have more European guests on and who can uh, continue to to challenge the way that we think and the way that we approach uh, our work. Absolutely. I'd actually actually challenge you slightly differently there. Why stick to European? Why not look look, um, global? Why not look at... Can you get? Can you bring guests on from Africa? Can you bring guests on from Southeast Asia, China, India? Matt, are you trying Which to take my there? job here? Is that what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> are you trying to kick me out my own show? <laughs> hey, hey, well, look, hey, look, hey, so listen, let me tell you, that's an actually perfect segue because the two of you were razzing <laughs> one another on Twitter. And I think, you know, if I recall the sequence, Julie, you put up a tweet as to who you were supporting in soccer but yes. but England was was not the primary choice. England was your secondary choice. And then Matt tertiary responded. Case. Oh, tertiary. Got it. And then yes. Matt responded. He said, wait a minute. This is a bit of a problem. Like, why were you not supporting <laughs> England in the beginning? Uh, and then we kind of laughed through that. And then all of the games unfolded. And we had over the weekend fans in Wembley Stadium using all types of racist, homophobic, racist, racist, racist. I'm not even talking about the donkey ass shit they did in the uh, lobby when they were fighting and all of that. I'm simply focused on the language and the reaction that they had to what I believe to be the only three black players on the team. Maybe you can expand a little bit more, but I really wanted you to come on and give us a, a more up close version of what happened over in London because I didn't watch it. 
and I only lived I only lived through it through Twitter. So maybe you can give us a, a up close version. I, I think there's so much to unpack with this story. There's so much around this is not this racist language is endemic in my opinion in football and that may be controversial I mean there are strong campaigns that have tried to get rid of it but we still see it time and time again this Racist, racist language used. You mean it's been happening all season? Players who are black, who for what for whatever reason may not performed well, which is a different thing. You mean I think everyone has the right to critique your player for not performing well, but you do not have the right to have a go at them for being black. And this is yeah. what, and this is part of what happened. You mean this is so? I think so much in the forefront because in, for all intents and purposes, in my opinion, it was greenlighted by our Home Secretary by saying that the England team taking the knee and when she was challenged over fans booing them for that, she, she said that the England, English players were, <clears throat> were making jets political gestures. Yeah, so let's stop there for a second cuz this is really cool. So all during the it's so we we're talking about the European basically like the World Cup yeah. but except for the EU. And all yeah. during the tournament, the English team did two things, right? What did they do that that was so cool? They all took the knee. I think that's the the biggest one. They all took the knee. You know, I mean they've been very strong proponents about Black Lives Matter, you know, I mean, to the point of the coach Southgate came out and basically said, you know, I mean, if, if you if you fans boo us, then you're not true you're not true football fans. If you can't if you boo us for what for what we're standing up for. Yeah, so it sounds like a an incredible group of young men, and I would say, mm. and I've watched the whole tournament. We're we're pretty big football mm. fans in this house. Um, the commentators <laughs> over and over and over again were like, "This is a good group of young men, solid mm. leaders, solid character." Um, nothing but like really over the top praise for mm-hmm. a, a, a fairly young English team, and so they they definitely stood on the right side. They took the knee during the their anthem, and subsequently, then when we went into overtime and into the the I'm, I'll call it the sudden death, but the the kicks where you have to uh, sudden death kicks where you have to score you mm-hmm. know best of five uh, we had some of the black english players who missed and i think that we tried that it tried to correlate racism and then missing the kick that that somehow okayed <clears throat> the racist behavior that followed is that fair yeah you know I mean and it, it's everything around it if that makes sense it's this con you know, mean around it that you know, I mean this piece is acceptable because they missed well no you know I mean you know I mean their skin color makes no difference to why they missed it could have been anyone could have missed that penalty you know I mean it's a high pressure situation these are young lads you know I mean you know I mean Saka the one that took the last penalty he's 19 years of age and he's getting this type of abuse Oh wait a minute! Wait a minute, Matt. I didn't know that one was that young. Nineteen. Yeah. Well, the three, the three that missed. Rashford is twenty-three. Um, Sanchez is twenty, and then 
Saka, who's the youngest, I mean, he, oh, this was probably his, if I remember rightly, his ninth game for England. Wow. Something like that. <clears throat> yeah. He steps up, he misses. You know I mean, it can happen to anyone, any of us. You know what I mean? And then from this, people feel it's acceptable to <laughs> deluge social media with language that is just filth. Yeah, much of which has already been scrubbed. And I'm curious, you know, was the scrubbing done by the people? If you know the answer to this, was um, the scrubbing done, real quick, Matt, was the scrubbing done by the people who actually posted the abhorrent comments or was the scrubbing done by the platforms themselves? Um, the platforms themselves have supposedly scrubbed. And I'm going to use that in the virtual context because there's still a lot floating around um, Facebook did put out statements saying, you know, we have filters um, that are there to capture this language and prevent it from getting through on Instagram. Um, however, clearly that hasn't happened. Secondly, uh, you've got a question, Facebook, around that based on their, let's be honest, historic experience historic um, behaviors around dealing with content. Yep. You know yep. I, mean? I, 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 think, I agree. So I am just actually looking. I, say, I would say it's very much like for me, one of the things I think as dark as this is, and I think there's no other way around this. You know I mean, English football needs to take a hard look at itself of, I'm not, in fact, actually not just English football, but, the culture in general around football in this country that allows this behaviour to go on and glorifies it and it makes it acceptable because it's, it is, in some respects, it's almost bigger than, dare I say, the racism angle, that the culturally it's so acceptable to get drunk, you use language like this, cause trouble, and it's all interrelated. Yeah. I think let me tell you something, Matt. You know, when as I as I'm listening to you tell the story, uh, you know, from your perch and being closer mm-hmm. to it, certainly yeah. one that follows it a lot closer than I do, mm-hmm. it's reminiscent of what we experienced here with NASCAR. And mm-hmm. as you said, it's it's bigger than racism, but what NASCAR did last year was they said, you know, we, we have to make a decision around this Confederate flag. Controversial. Mm-hmm. They didn't address the alcohol, they didn't address the rowdy behavior, they didn't address the fandom the fandom that takes place around the sport they said we're going to remove a symbol and i absolutely believe they did the right thing and they may have taken a short-term hit as it relates to a crowd attendance fan attendance but i believe overall long term it was a, a right decision and a better and best decision for the sport and what you're suggesting is that the sport of soccer in europe and perhaps even beyond they need to really look at at this activity inside of their 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 stadiums their places you know i i absolutely appreciate that i'm wondering from from your standpoint Mm. you know just and getting beyond soccer you know as we close out what is it that you would want listeners to to hear from matt stubbs over in london and and maybe you can if you're comfortable maybe you can take listeners into more of who you are if you know what I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at you and I'm watching you right now. They can't see you. So mm-hmm. maybe you can share a little bit more. And what would you want our listeners to to hear from Matt Stubbs? I think sort of just around the football bit off. <clears throat> I think one of the most 
memorable things I think we should take away from it is in the final we we see we see not just the England team taking the knee, but Italy the Italian team as well. I think that's a, a very powerful image going forward. I just think, just pause for a minute, think about that. You I mean two teams coming together, taking the knee, not just inside a country, but two separate countries coming together. I think we also have to give that as well to Italy as well. Yes. I mean, let's, you know, I mean, let's not, yes, you know, let's, when we see good behavior, let's acknowledge it because I think we see too much in life of bad behavior. And I think sometimes the good behaviour doesn't get the recognition it deserves. I think, <clears throat> for me, what do I want people to know about me? I think I approach DNI through the lens, similar to you, Julie. I mean, I have a disability myself, I'm blind. So the barriers that I see around, or, you know, I mean, work, employment, society, you know, I mean, I'm passionate about because they impact me and I want to hopefully change that not for me per se but for other people that may follow in my footsteps you know and and help educate people who may not because they may not have come into contact with people with disability before but educate them so they're more aware they're more open they're more willing i don't in pardon me the bottom line is um i think it's so much we are richer as a result of your presence You know, Julie and I are all the better as a result of your presence. We experienced something today that we've not experienced because I don't believe, Julie, you know, as I cycle through all of our guests, I don't believe we've had a guest on that uh, has brought this combination of diversity, these dimensions of diversity as Matt has brought them this evening or this afternoon or during this episode. And so, Matt, we simply say thank you. Uh, Again, you all can follow and find Matt on Twitter at Z Tubsy. And that's Z is in zebra, T U B B S Y underscore eight four. Matt, just do us one promise. Will you join us again sometime later in the year? Of course. I'm always willing to come on the show. You know what I mean? It's, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to interact with two people like yourselves that are doing so much in the space and are walking, the, not just talking to a walk in the walk. And I'm not afraid to speak out and say, this is wrong. Not afraid at all. Not my pod partner. (laughs) Not afraid at all. Hey, so listen, Hispanic Heritage Month Toolkit, just a quick reminder. Hispanic Heritage Month is September 15th through October 15th. Reach out to my dear friend. She's another Baltimore native, uh, Veronica Cool. You can find her on Twitter at Vero Cool. That's V-E-R-O Cool. And you can get her Hispanic Heritage Month Toolkit at HispanicToolkit.com. And How to Be an Ally Summit is happening in October. We have a discount code for you. It is C-A-T-K-L-I-1-0. Again, the discount code for the October event hosted by Deanna Singh and her team is How to Be an Ally. Uh, the discount code, you can find it online. Just just Google someplace, How to Be an Ally Summit. The discount code is C-A-T-K-A-L-I-1-0. Jay? All right. Name drop for me this week is Chris Nykik, who we talked about on the show last year. He was the first man with Down syndrome to complete an Ironman triathlon. He was awarded the Jimmy V Award for Perseverance at the ESPYs last night. He was rocking a tux. He looked fantastic. Congrats, Chris. What color was the tux? It was straight black. It was was all classic. Boom! Hey, so listen, uh, join my clubhouse with Michael Heller and I, 5 p.m. on Fridays. Although, I will tell you, 
We're going to change the time. We've had a number of people, one of which is on our show today, Matt, who suggested that five o'clock on Fridays ain't working. Well, it's not working for him because it's 10 p.m. So it absolutely makes sense to me. But I also appreciate that it's not working for some folks here in the U.S. And so um, Michael Heller and I will be changing our time. But as it relates to this particular week, 5 p.m. Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern. I close reminding each and every one of you to share the pod with your digital tribe. Be a better human. Let's create better teams, better business units, better departments. Let's just create better culture and be more human. For now, Jay and I are ghosts. See ya. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.